Let's do this. It is the Chief Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Farzi Masugi, and thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. As you guys are listening through various different outlets, iTunes, Google Play, wherever I might be listening on your iOS or Android devices, nonetheless, appreciate you guys taking the time to download and listen to this podcast of the Chief Zone. And this was out a little earlier than I had anticipated. I had planned on recording the podcast Sunday evening and then release having it released on Monday. But some breaking news uh, this week, uh, late on a, on a Friday night. As a matter of fact, this has been kind of an entertaining week for the Chiefs, which we'll get into uh, later. Andy Reid went up on the media. But the biggest story, Jeremy Macklin, as you guys see on the headline for this podcast, Jeremy Macklin... Surprise, surprise, has been let go by the Kansas City Chiefs. A surprise cut, which we see time and time every year in the NFL, really. But uh, every now and then, an NFL team will have that surprise cut. And this year, the Chiefs have Jeremy Macklin as the victim of a surprise cut this season. And it has a lot to do with the with the salary cap, which I understand that a lot of fans aren't too familiar with. So, uh, and listen, any, even people in the media, even myself... I, I don't fully understand the salary cap, and I think a lot of people will say they do. They don't. <laughs> they truly don't. Let me just say one thing. People who have this preconceived notion that the salary cap on Madden is the same in real life, please get that out of your heads. I've played Madden in the past. Occasionally, I still play it. I have the most recent one. Trust me, the... The salary cap in a video game, in any video game for any sport, is not the same for how it is in real life. People have this understanding that, oh, well, I'm able to do this in Madden. Why can't an NFL team do so? It's just not the way it works. People tend to forget that they are playing a video game when they deal with the business aspect of of operating a franchise, again, with your controller. So... Uh, I do have to get that out there. For those who aren't video gamers or don't even care about what I'm talking about, I, I apologize for just wasting 30 seconds of your time. But it, it, it's tough. It, it's it's a business. The salary cap is a tough thing to deal with. And teams don't like to do these kinds of things. Players hate it uh, because there's nothing they can do about it. But at the end of the day, uh, that is part of the business. And that is what happened in Kansas City with Jeremy Macklin. You saw earlier this offseason, the Chiefs, had to make a tough decision in letting Jamal Charles go. Uh, not necessarily a surprise release, but I think a lot of people saw it coming, you know, whilst others felt like uh, he was done wrong by the Chiefs and that he they, they should have tried to work out a, a pay cut of something, as Charles said. But that's a different story for another day. We've already discussed that, as a matter of fact. But with Jeremy Macklin, uh, just the situation you, you see here, it's not a fun one. And I'll get into the details of the cap cut and why the Chiefs had to make that move, and I'll give you my thoughts. Do I think it's the right move? What are the Chiefs going to do now financially, and what are they going to do on the offensive side of the football without their number one wide receiver? Who is their new number one wide receiver? I'll get into all of that in just a moment. I want to let you guys know you guys can interact with me on social media. I'm on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzian Give it a like and interact with me on Facebook. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine 21 Again, at Farzine. 21. You guys can email me as well if you're not on social media. Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. And a reminder, for those of you who are MMA fans, you guys can listen to my MMA podcast, The Cage Zone. Also, check out my articles for CagePages.com. All right, uh, let's get right into this because I know everyone's still talking about this. And uh, I, like I said, I have this podcast out early. I'm, I'm recording this late on a Friday night. It's almost, it's almost Saturday here, so... Uh, getting this out as soon as I can because I know this is a big topic and everyone's still buzzing about this. A lot of people are still shocked with this. And I, uh, just from what I've seen online, it's pretty safe to say that a, a lot of Chiefs fans are in agreement that this is absolutely the wrong move uh, and that the Chiefs are making a, a mistake here. But we'll get into all of this. Uh, Jeremy Macklin was due a lot of money, $12.4 million against the cap, and... When you look at what they did letting him go, the Chiefs end up saving $10 million according to over the cap, and they'll end up carrying $2.4 million in dead money. Now, we'll see the details of it when it comes out. It's not necessarily official, but when you do the calculations, that's what you end up getting. So the Chiefs 
they end up saving some money out of this. Now, again, people always talk about money. I remember after the uh, loss to the Steelers in the playoffs, people talked about letting Eric Berry walk and that they could find another safety through the draft and that they would not want to retain Eric Berry because he would cost too much. Let me just say this. In order to have the best players on your team, you've got to spend money. And I'm not going to get too detailed into this, but just looking at 2018... The Chiefs are already $9 million under the cap, more than $9 million. Now, cutting Alex Smith, that'll definitely change things a little bit. Uh, But again, that's a topic for another time. You get the idea, though. I mean, when you sign players like Justin Houston, Eric Fisher, uh, Eric Berry to long-term, Travis Kelsey, another guy worthy of mentioning, uh, the Chiefs have paid some big bucks to some of their top-notch guys the past couple of years. And listen, down the road, I can see a possibility where the Chiefs end up having to cut somebody. I mean, who? And this is too early to tell. Again, like I said, I don't want to get too detailed into it, but we could see Eric Berry possibly be a uh, surprise cut in 2020 or 2021. So... Uh, This is is the tough part about this business. You have so many great guys on your team, but financially, if you're not meeting the the cap room requirements, you've got to do what you got to do, and that's exactly what the Chiefs just did with Jeremy Macklin in this case. So I gave you the cap number situation right there and why the Chiefs had to do it. Now, I think a lot of people might be asking the next question, okay, well, if it's a cap issue, why is it that Jeremy Macklin was selected how come it wasn't someone else and it's kind of uh, surprising too that it came with him given that he had signed uh, before the 2015 season in fact you may remember he signed a five-year 55 million dollar deal in march of 2015 to become a member of the kansas city chiefs and if i'm not mistaken he ended up being the wide receiver who snapped that Long drought of no touchdown passes completed to a wide receiver in the end zone for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, uh, and Jeremy Macklin kind of got off to a slow start with the Chiefs in his first season. Only had one touchdown, but when the Chiefs went on their surge, and again, I've said this before, I do credit that to the easy schedule. He ended up scoring seven touchdowns during that 10-game winning streak, which ended up turning into 11 if you include the postseason win against the Houston Texans. Uh, So... Seven touchdowns during that hot streak in which the Chiefs just went off and had that miraculous comeback, that turnaround season, and went on to win their first playoff game in 22 years. Now, his second season with the Chiefs, Jeremy Macklin, not so hot. Looking at his numbers from this past year in 2016, had a touchdown in the season opener against the Chargers, as you guys may remember, that was the crazy comeback win to start off the season, uh, forcing overtime at Arrowhead. Five catches, 63 yards, and a touchdown grab for Macklin. And then he went five games without a touchdown. His next touchdown came against the Indianapolis Colts, in which the Chiefs, that was the game where Alex Smith was taken out of the game, had three catches for 43 yards. Macklin wasn't doing so hot, though, even before... He suffered a concussion, and that forced him to miss four games in 2016. When he came back from those four games, uh, really was not a big factor. He did have one game uh, where he caught six passes for 82 yards, but you look at other stat lines, he had one catch for 16 yards. That was the Thursday night game against the Oakland Raiders. As you guys may remember, that was uh, Tyreek Hill's big punt return touchdown, which essentially was... The uh, the touchdown that allowed the Chiefs to be able to hold on to their lead and eventually win that game. A big win as it, it was one of the uh, key factors into allowing the Chiefs to win the AFC West this past year with that tiebreaker against Oakland. But against Denver on Christmas, three catches for nine yards. Uh, in the finale at San Diego, four catches for 53 yards. In the game against the Steelers, two receptions for 28 yards. Overall, his stat line for 2016, 44 catches for 536 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Again, that's also considering the fact that he missed four games in 2016. But even if he played those four games, 
it's not like he was on his way to a thousand yard season like he had his first year with the Chiefs. So these are numbers that, you know, for a number one wide receiver, certainly not the greatest. And when you compare that to everyone else on the roster in terms of just the wide receivers, Tyreek Hill had 61 grabs for 593 yards. So had more catches, slightly more yards. And again, Tyreek Hill was used a lot differently in the offense and we used more for short passes for the Chiefs. Also had more touchdowns, though, for six touchdowns. And again, you saw those short passes translate into big yardage. So, and I'll get to what what Tyree Kills role could be with this release. But again, Macklin had 44 catches, but another player had 44 catches on the season as well. That was Chris Conley. Again, also had 44 catches for 530 yards, just six yards behind Jeremy Macklin. Now, Conley did not catch a touchdown pass this season. So that, that is something to that, that, that you've got to look at because look at the end of the day you want to score touchdowns you don't want to rely on field goals to carry you through a season uh, it, it is worth noting that when Macklin did get hurt in the playoff one against the Texans Conley did step in and catch a touchdown pass on the same drive where Macklin got hurt now again that was more than a year ago and of course a lot can happen in more than 12 months But again, he played all 16 games with the Chiefs, and that's Chris Conley, that is, and had the same amount of catches when Macklin was was four games shy of a full season. But again, I'll just go back to what I said a moment ago. Even if Macklin did play all 16 games, it's not like he was on his way to some spectacular season. Sure, he may have surpassed Tyreek Hill for most receiving yards by a wide receiver, but as far as your number one wide receiver, it's just not the numbers you really want and I'll say it right now I think you guys can kind of get my drift here the Chiefs made the right move and I'll be completely honest this was not something that I pondered before the cut was made I I never envisioned that the Chiefs would let go of Jeremy Macklin and I think we've got to look at the other side of it too uh people will say the concussion could have set him back, and I and I disagree with that. L- listen, in my he, first of all, he passed the concussion protocol. Second of all, if if a player is injured and has to miss a couple of games and is out of action for a bit, obviously they're taking that time to recover. When they're back on the field, there's no more excuse of an injury of some sort. If a player is playing, they're playing, and, and by all means, nobody is a hundred percent as as the season goes on. No matter who you are, what position you play, or how long you've been playing in a season, once you get to November and December, weather gets cold and crappy, and everyone's all tired, long season, of course, coming to an end, nobody's 100% at that point. So, to me, I don't know if there's a valid reason as to why Macklin could not have had a number one receiver type of season. And... Listen, maybe we can talk about the quarterbacks, and I've done this quite a lot this offseason, and that's why the Chiefs ended up getting a quarterback, as we saw. But what about Alex Smith's performance? He certainly did not have the greatest 2016 season with the Chiefs. And again, people talk about the 12-4 and record, which I just because you win 12 games with a quarterback does not mean that the quarterback is immune from... Being let go. Now, by all means, Alex Smith isn't being let go, but the Chiefs did draft Patrick Mahomes for a reason. So as far as all these factors as to why Macklin didn't succeed, well, look, I mean, you, you didn't have any problems hooking up with Travis Kelsey, who had more than 80 catches and 1,100 yards on the season. Touchdown-wise, you, you would like a little bit more with Kelsey, but still had a very productive year with the Chiefs. And he was your primary pass catcher in 2016. Again, I want to go back to Chris Conley because he did have the same amount of catches. He also had more first down receptions by just one. But still, that's something you look at. He had more first down receptions than Macklin did. And again, I understand if if Macklin were to play those four games that he missed, he probably would be ahead of Conley in that category. But at the end of the day, uh, it wouldn't be by a wide margin. You've got guys like Tyree Kill, Chris Conley, who, again, have either similar or better statistics than Jeremy Macklin from 2016 and are being paid a whole lot less 
to do what Macklin's doing. And Macklin, look, he certainly underperformed as a wide receiver in 2016. Now is one year fair to judge a guy? I think that's a valid question. And my only response is, you know, for a guy who's about to enter his ninth season coming out of Missouri, and of course being a Missouri Tiger, he was a fan favorite here in Kansas City, and he just had a birthday last month. He's 29. So, again, that's not necessarily young, not old either, but when, uh, to some teams, I guess you just got to make that decision. You know, how, how do some teams, how do some coaches and general managers view a player when they're at that age? You know, is 29 a, a scary age, especially for someone who just had a really bad year coming off that concussion? I don't know. You know, I'm not a head coach. I don't know exactly what the decision-making process was like when the Chiefs made this. But I think overall, given his numbers and the amount of money he's making, this was a wise move by the Kansas City Chiefs. They save a lot of money from this. And moving forward, you do have guys who, again, had either similar or better numbers than Macklin and are making a hell of a lot less money. So it's not like the Chiefs are going to suffer without Macklin. And I don't... This is kind of a, a weird subject. People will feel bad for a player because of what they deal with and uh, the timing of this as well. Macklin just celebrated a birthday uh, less than a month ago. He also had a wedding, if I'm not mistaken, less than a month ago. So to a lot of people, I mean, this is just poor timing. And again, I don't feel bad necessarily. Do I, do I have a little bit of sympathy for him? Yeah, sure. But again, by all means, I don't feel bad for a player that, they, you know, they just had a, a great month of their life celebrating a birthday and had their wedding, and then they get cut less than a month later. I, I, I can't feel bad for that because, again, these guys get paid so much money, and when you underperform, s- sometimes players get a free pass, sometimes they don't, and not just players, too. I think coaches and general managers should be held to that standard, too. Uh, we see so many coaches and GMs get fired, uh, or sometimes not even fired, after a very poor season, and keep in mind, these are guys who make six, even seven figures uh, when they don't do a great job. And for Macklin, uh, that ended up being the case. He made $10 million last year with the Chiefs, was set to make the same, uh, a little bit more in 2016, or 2017, pardon me. And for a guy who's starting to get a little older, you, you have to make that decision. And the Chiefs ended up making that cut on Jeremy Macklin, which again, I'll support uh, I'll admit, initial reaction when I first saw this on my notification, I thought, wow, I certainly did not see this coming. I thought maybe Macklin would have been more dominant as a wide receiver uh, with a new quarterback, which again, uh, question as to whether or not you would see Patrick Mahomes this year. Sure, that's another subject, but I thought for sure Macklin would have been a, a different wide receiver with a different quarterback, and we're just not going to see that be the case, at least here in Kansas City. So that's my thoughts on the Chiefs letting go of Jeremy Macklin. I think it's the right move. I truly do. When you see the amount of production that Tyreek Hill and Chris Conley had where they made less money and Macklin made more, I, I think you, you, you can't call this a head-scratcher. Uh, again, initial reaction, sure. Uh, but when you take the time to look at this and look at the numbers that Macklin produced in 2016 – you 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 look at this and think to yourself, okay, maybe Dorsey and the Chiefs made a right move here. However, I don't think John Dorsey gets a free pass either. My thing with the Chiefs is they've done a bad job managing the salary cap. And again, I mentioned earlier that you're going to see possibly a, a surprise cut down the line because you have Justin Houston, Eric Berry, uh, I mean, a couple of Travis Kelsey as well, guys who have mega contracts at the moment and at some point down the line. Maybe it's not those three guys I mentioned, but somebody on the Chiefs. Maybe they're on the team right now, maybe they're not. But there might be a player down the road who has to be a cap casualty. And it's never a fun thing to deal with. And my issue with the Chiefs, you sign Chase Daniel to, what What was it, a three-year, $10 million contract to be your backup quarterback? You have Alex Smith and a first-round draft pick and Patrick Mahomes. It's it's just not a, an, the ideal situation to have. You don't want to be paying two quarterbacks. Paying two wide receivers, a totally different thing because you're supposed to have multiple wide receivers producing for you. But you don't expect to have 
I mean, no, no, no football team, at least in the NFL, builds an offense with a multi-quarterback system. You, you just don't do that. And, so, and I understand a lot of people are saying this could be Alex Smith's last year, so that's that's the logic in, in drafting a quarterback, trading up 13 spots, but still, uh, that's that's money being spent. And it's not... It's it's not the logical way to do things. Now again, I'm just a, a bonehead who's talking behind a microphone right now with a laptop next to me. So I'm not a general manager in the NFL, but I, it doesn't take being a general manager to know that there's money being spent on multiple players at the quarterback position when you only need one, or at least one starter to say. Of course, you need a, a couple of backups for the season in case things go wrong, but you get my you get the idea. Now, as far as how the Chiefs are going to move forward without Jeremy Macklin, well, uh, again, you would have liked to see the Chiefs try to do better. I think my thing with the Chiefs is the players they have on the field, and again, on paper, it looks good. You've got guys like Jeremy Macklin, Travis Kelsey, of course, your main tight end and wide receiver, your your two guys right there. But then you got a lot of guys that can produce for you. Tyreek Hill certainly showed that. And even when Tyreek Hill was a decoy, you saw guys like Albert Wilson and Chris Conley produce a little bit. DeAnthony Thomas he still has the speed. I know he hasn't been as productive, but he's not also being paid a whole lot. And you can never forget his speed. That's still one thing he has uh, since he was drafted by the team. And that's one of the reasons why he was drafted by the Chiefs in the third day of the 2014 draft in the, in the fourth round. And as far as your running backs go, yeah, sure. Spencer Ware, Charkandrick West, they, uh, they've they had success in the past. Last season, uh, not necessarily the greatest. And you thought maybe Jamal Charles would still be around. And now without Jamal Charles, who, despite the knee issues, he still has the speed. Uh, that's never going to go away. And Jeremy Macklin also has great speed. And now you just lost two great speedsters. So how do the Chiefs move forward? What does their offense look like for now? You don't have a clear-cut number one wide receiver. Statistically speaking, yeah, sure, Tyreek Hill it was the best wide receiver on the team, but not necessarily the way a number one wide receiver would be used. So uh, the way that the Chiefs used Tyreek Hill in 2016 and how they'll use him in 2017, and it could be a different role. And I know his size is a big factor when it comes to being a starting wide receiver in the NFL, but he still did some things downfield that, that impressed me and... Uh, a surprise to a lot of people with with Alex Smith being the guy who threw the football. So when you look at the offense right now, you've got Chris Conley, Albert Wilson, Tyree Kill, uh, guys who might be able to, to fill that void for now. I think going into that Patriots game on NFL opening day, I think Tyree Kill and Chris Conley are your primary wide receivers heading into the 2017 NFL opener. With Albert Wilson as, as maybe your slot guy, maybe it could be the uh, opposite with Wilson and Hill. Maybe Wilson and Conley are your starters, and Hill's the slot guy f- to open up the season. I don't know. Uh, this is kind of a tough situation to look at. You've also got Demarcus Robinson and DeAnthony Thomas, uh, who uh, both of them were fourth-round draft picks. Robinson in 2016, Thomas in 2014, Kenny Cook who was a college free agent coming out of 2015. The Chiefs also did draft Jehu Chisan. Again, another fourth-round pick, uh, another fourth-round wide receiver on your team, uh, a rookie this year, and then uh, several college free agents. The Chiefs picked up Marcus Kemp, Gehring Dieter, Alonzo Moore, and Tony Stevens. Uh, so a lot of wide receivers, and maybe the Chiefs pick up somebody before training camp gets underway, but for right now, uh, this is your offense uh, as far as wide receivers go. So the Chiefs definitely need to explore some options and see what they can do to bring in another wide receiver because you don't have a clear-cut number one wideout, and you definitely need that on your football team. So I, I still think Conley and, and Hill, I mean, those are guys who are going to contribute and, and have a big hand on the offense. You saw what Tyreek Hill did last year, not just on, on special teams, but also on offense, uh, running the football and catching when, when he was asked to. So... This is somebody who the Chiefs definitely want to utilize even more in 2017. And again, I mentioned this, uh, you saw it in the postseason game when Albert Wilson caught the touchdown. Tyree killed, they faked the handoff to him on a jet sweep look. 
And next thing you know, it's Albert Wilson wide open for the first touchdown of that game. Uh, so certainly Tyree Kill is going to be used to produce and dominate, but also be a decoy and open up the field for everyone else. So this is going to be interesting to see if the Chiefs, I don't want to say assuming, but if this is the group of wide receivers you have going into 2017, it'd be interesting to see uh, how the Chiefs would handle that. I don't think this is your your group of wideouts going into, into 2017. I definitely think there's a candidate out there for the Chiefs that might be picked up before training camp gets underway. And maybe it could happen after training camp when you see other surprise cuts around the league. I will say there aren't a lot of options in free agency right now. Uh, I'm looking at NFLTradeRumors.co, and they do have Jeremy Macklin already updated as their as the best available wide receiver. As far as other wide receivers that are currently available, the best, the next best is Anquan Bolden coming off uh, a season with Detroit, 36 years old. Kind of makes you question that when you see the age there. Uh, Marcus Wilson from the Chicago Bears, 24 years old. Stevie Johnson from the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, 31 years old. Uh, one name that kind of sticks out, Vincent Jackson. Uh, very familiar with him because he was in the AFC West for a little bit with the Chargers. Uh, most recently with Tampa Bay, he is 34 years old, so that's another thing to consider. But, uh, you know, would a veteran presence like Vincent Jackson or Anquan Bolden go a long way for the Chiefs. Uh, that's that, That'd be my my favorable target right there. The targets, I should say. Uh, either Anquan Bolden or Vincent Jackson. So maybe the Chiefs go after one of those two guys. And I know there were rumors. I saw an Arrowhead Pride that uh, rumors have surfaced a little bit lately that Anquan Bolden uh, was at least mentioned as a, uh, as a as a guy who could go to Kansas City. So that's the latest uh, with the rumor, rumors in terms of the Chiefs possibly uh, replacing Jeremy Macklin uh, with another wide receiver and Anquan Bolden is the only name that's come up. So there we have it. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on what I've had to say? Let me know. Facebook.com slash Vasugin or send me a tweet at Farzine21. I know it's not the most popular opinion, but really I do think the Chiefs made the right move. And maybe before you clicked play on this podcast, you, you were angry about the cut. But maybe after listening to what I had to say, maybe I changed your mind. Did I change your mind? Let me know. I'd love to know. And if I did, what was it that made you think that this was the right move? After listening to this podcast, again, let me know on Facebook and Twitter. If you're not on social media, you can email me, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. Uh, final note before we wrap up the show, Andy Reid addressed the media, as he always does, uh, but he talked to the media, and the topic of players not being at OTAs continues to be a thing, and it, it kind of got to a melting point with Andy Reid because D. Ford was not in practice uh, for one one session, and I guess the media kind of went crazy and thought, what's going on now? What's the deal with D Ford? And Andy Reid, he got to a melting point, and he lashed out a little bit on the media. Here's Andy Reid, what he had to say earlier this week to the media in terms of players not being available or not being at practice. So let me tell you how I work on the on this whole thing about guys not being here. I need I, I can allow you out here one time. If I get pummeled, right, I want everybody here. If I get pummeled on who's here and not here, we'll just do the one. We come out here, you give you every day that you can talk to these guys. Don't don't worry about all that. It's a voluntary camp. I, that's how I'm going to answer it every time you ask. Understand that. All right, next question, please. <laughs> well, here we go. Next question, please. Uh, this is the side of Andy Reid we have not seen. I know a lot of fans poke fun at the fact that Andy Reid just has this monotone look on the sidelines, regardless of the result, whether it's a good play or not, uh, whatever the case is, I mean, he just has that look on the sidelines. You never really see him go off. He's he's a pretty chill, laid back guy. Occasionally, he'll he'll show his his funny side and let loose, but we never really have seen this side of Andy Reid where he kind of goes off on the media. And uh, do I blame him? No, but listen, uh, when you are a when you're a head coach of a sports team. It does come with a territory, and when uh, these kinds of things occur, uh, when players are not at practice, people are going to want to know why. And listen, let me just say this, because I posted this on face on my Facebook page, 
and I've seen this across other social media posts as well, people keep talking about how it's voluntary and that if we were to not show up to work and not really suffer any consequences for it, we would do the same thing. Now listen, players don't get paid off OTA workouts. They get paid during a 17-week stretch. And with that, listen, yeah, sure, again, they're voluntary. Let me say this, though. If Alex Smith and or Patrick Mahomes, if they were not at OTAs, that's a story. Trust me, no one's going to be talking about how it's quote-unquote voluntary. People are going to be talking about that the, the damn quarterback is not at practice. When, listen, you need everyone there to try to get things together and try to move forward. Uh, if all if the uh, if all 22 starters t- decided to forego OT- voluntary OTAs, listen, how do you move forward as a football team? And I talked about the positives of having these guys there at OTAs because the rookies who are trying to learn, maybe they can pick their the brains from these guys like Eric Berry and Justin Houston and just learn from them. But again, it's voluntary, and I understand that. I'm going to say right now, I don't think they should be voluntary. I think you have to make these mandatory. I think NFL, not just individual teams like the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Broncos. I think the NFL all across the board and league-wide, this needs to be required. I mean, why can't a player who's making millions of dollars give up a month and a half of his time to participate in OTAs? And then take another month and a half off for the rest of your offseason before training camp. Especially when you're getting paid a lot. Listen, I mean, again, with these being voluntary, I just don't, I just don't get it. Uh, if they're voluntary, you know, I, I guess I would be surprised that more players don't take time off. Obviously, players are still going because they've got work to do. They want to make sure that they're improving, they're learning as a team. And again, going back to what a lot of people said in defense of these players, saying that, you know, if we were told that we would not suffer any consequences or a pay cut, that we would also take not show up to work if we were told there it was voluntary. Listen, sure, but let me say this too. If you are an assistant and you want to move up to being a general manager or a CEO. And if your boss, for whatever reason tells you, Hey, look for one month, you will still get paid, but no consequences. You can skip work for the next 30 days. Okay. Uh, sure. Uh, a 30 day vacation doesn't sound bad when you're still getting paid and no consequences, but for your future, for yourself, for your family, for your kids, if you want that next big job, that next pay raise, do you ignore the fact that it's voluntary and that you would still show up to work? Same thing occurs here. Eric Berry, and I'm not saying Eric Berry is bad. Obviously, he's a great player, but by all means, he's not perfect either. We can still pull out the game film and show a couple of mistakes that he made. Every player does that, regardless of whether you're the worst team in the NFL or you won the Super Bowl. Uh, all 32 teams did something in 2016 where if they were to relook at at, the, at, the, at themselves watching game film, they would say, huh, well, we should definitely work on that and not let that happen again. So as, as, far, as, as far as that goes, listen, there's room for everybody to improve. And I think when you can improve as a team, when you can work with everyone else to try and, first of all, let, let the younger ones learn from you a little bit and also try to try to move forward as a team into the right direction. I think that can go a long way, and I think, and listen, I'll say this, the players have every right to skip practice because it is voluntary, but I think the NFL needs to change it and, and have mandatory OTAs. Listen, I don't think I don't care if you're Tom Brady and you just won your fifth Super Bowl, or if you're Brock Osweiler and you're playing for your third team in three years. There's room to improve for everybody. And again, I know it sounds silly even for a team coming off a Super Bowl win, but everybody has room to improve. Some more than others, for sure. But you don't skip OTAs not being around, be around your teammates and 
just try to wing it at training camp. And again, we, we've seen Justin Houston and Eric Berry succeed still make it to Pro Bowls even without OTAs the past couple of years for, for these guys. But would it hurt to do it as a team? These guys are training on their own, no, no doubt about it. But what hurts doing it as a team? I remember in high school, uh, my, my high school, the, the football team, they would have off-season workouts, conditioning. And again, it was voluntary. You weren't required to be there, but the seniors were there. The the guys who were expected to start, unless they were playing another sport, which nowadays in high school, you you see a lot of kids that play multiple sports. Uh, but even those who, if they were not playing another sport, I mean, there, there was no reason for them to skip. They still wanted to be out there working as a team, trying to improve, going to the right direction. So, uh, listen, I'm not going to fault players for not going again if it's voluntary but if if you do skip out there are consequences and that's why in this case we only see the pro bowlers the top players skip practice uh, one of the top stories uh, as far as players not being at OTAs Odell Beckham Jr is not at OTAs for the Giants Odell Beckham Jr is easily one of the best wide receivers in the NFL today and there's a reason why a player of Justin Houston and Eric Berry's caliber, Marcus Peters, they're, they're not at OTAs, but a guy like Chris Conley has to be there. Spencer Ware has to be there. I mean, these are guys who have a long ways to go if they want to be taken as, as Pro Bowl talented guys. So that's, that's why you don't see consequences occur to any of these players because those are the players who are always at OTAs unless they have some sort of family matter that they've got to attend in which normally they inform the teams and the media ends up hearing about it. So they can make it a little bit of an exception if they do receive a notice about it. I remember Tony Gonzalez, when he was with the Chiefs in 2007, he missed a couple of practices because he and his wife were welcoming a new baby. His wife was pregnant, about to give birth, so of course you're there to be with your family at the time, which is, which is understandable and reasonable. So that's my thoughts on the the whole OTA voluntary drama, uh, per se. I really do think it just should be mandatory. Have all 90 guys at practice working out together. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Boy, bad news for Baltimore Ravens tight end Dennis Pitta, who... Suffers an injury, injures his hip, actually dislocates it again. If, if I'm not mistaken, it's the third time that he has done it in four years. And the word is that this could be a career-ending injury. And injuries are just horrible. They really are. Uh, especially for a guy like Dennis Pitta, who's been in the league since 2010. Was getting ready for his eighth NFL season. And missed the 2015 season, but... In 2016, had his best season, 86 catches, 729 yards, a pair of touchdowns. Now, he had seven in 2012, but still the 86 catches and 729 yards, that's the best he had ever had in a single season. It came close in 2012. Again, that's the same season he had the seven touchdowns. But gosh, for a guy who just came off his best season and to have this happen, that's just very unfortunate and Again, it's part of the sport. Injuries are part of it. You see Jeremy Macklin, what he had to deal with being a cap casualty, that's part of the sport. Uh, There's also a business side of it and also a a, a crappy side of it where you have the health that you've got to be able to avoid these injuries. And unfortunately, some players just have that bad luck. And for Dennis Pitta, that's been the case. And uh, if this is career ending, you know, at least he he can at least say he he had that great season uh, in 2016. So... Uh, just tough though for players. They really, this is what they dream of doing for the longest time, and to be at at this point in their careers and to deal with this. At least some of them, uh, it's never fun. It's unfortunate, and uh, it, it absolutely sucks. There's no sugarcoating about this. All right, I'm a little late on this, but uh, I'm going to discuss it anyway. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers put out a tweet uh, promoting these ridiculous toys that are. The hot gadget now, fidget spinners. Uh, the Bucks basically have a Buccaneers fidget spinner, and uh, they were promoting it on Twitter. 
And the Falcons Twitter account responds to that and says, Are you nervous for something? So the Buccaneers respond and say, We ain't worried about nothing. And then post a picture of uh, of a 28-3 blown lead. Now, Dirk Cutter, the head coach of the Buccaneers, went off on the social media team for the Buccaneers, called it unprofessional, uh, basically bashed them. <laughs> Which, look, I don't mind these social media accounts for sports teams having a little bit of personality. I remember the uh, when the Chiefs won the AFC West, they, they also got it because of the help of the Denver Broncos. The Broncos tweeted the Chiefs and wrote, you're welcome, Chiefs, with an eye roll. I mean, look, you can appreciate a sense of humor. You don't have to love the Broncos, but you can appreciate a sense of humor. Uh, and listen, I'll say this for the Buccaneers, or uh, pardon me, the Falcons. Uh, man, th- that 28-3 lead, um, that blown lead, that's just never going away. I've seen, like, each week I see a meme and I think to myself, there's no, there's nothing better that people can come up with, and I see something better. I think the best one I saw recently was uh, how they intro a Disney movie where they have the rainbow shooting star, and then they show the castle, and then they have the word Disney pop up. They had one with the with the star and the rainbow and the and the castle showing up, and then it's uh, the, instead of the word Disney, it says the Falcons, and then underneath says blue a twenty eight to three lead. It, it's just nonstop and. To be quite honest with you, it's pretty damn funny. But I'll tell you, there's there are two things, actually, that weren't funny this week for a couple of people. Let's go out of bounds. Alright, Tiger Woods, Kathy Griffin, I have no idea who had a worse week. Uh, maybe we can uh, discuss this on social media as well. Uh, listen, uh, Tiger Woods, it was first reported that he uh, was arrested on a DUI charge. And that I guess the report at first, uh, there was some report that according to the police that he was drunk and behind the wheel. But when you see the official police report, he blew a zero point or, or, or point zero zero. When he was forced to take a breathalyzer test. But even then, he was still under the influence of something. And when you see that mugshot... Oh boy. By the way, the New York Post is the best. Their uh, headline... What were they, they show the mugshot of Tiger Woods. The headline is DUI of the Tiger. Uh, the Royals and Tigers were playing each other. And... Uh, a Royals uh, a kid obviously did not come up with this on his own, but a kid had a sign that said, it's a bad day to be a tiger. The word tiger was in the colors of the Detroit Tigers, and it was a picture of Tiger Woods' mugshot. Uh, was absolutely... The, the thing that we saw uh, were absolutely crazy, but gosh, I don't know if there was a pro athlete who has just had a, who has just had such a big downfall like Tiger Woods has. People talk about how Tiger Woods has really changed the game of golf for them. And listen, I'm I'm not a golf guy. I'm truly not. But to see what happened with him and what he did for the sport and everything that happened afterwards, uh, it's sad. It really is. In a world we live in now where people like to go on social media and and poke fun at some of these things. And listen, this is not a a deadly incident. It's not anything serious. It's not like the guy who made jokes about the Manchester tragedies. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who's damaging his own life, and people are going to po- poke fun at this. Comedians are going to go after him, and it, it's it's a thing to do. And, and again, it, it, with our PC society now, uh, people just fall victim to this, and it, it just makes it downfall even worse for that person. But Kathy Griffin, on the other hand, gosh... Uh, she has this picture of Donald Trump's head, which looks blood, almost looks like he was just massacred. Uh, President Donald Trump, and uh, she is under a lot of fire. Was fired by CNN for this. Uh, listen, politics are a really good thing for comedians to go after, but there's a line. Listen, gotta give. Props to Saturday Night Live. I know it's a Saturday Night Live, very old. At some point, lost its touch. Occasionally, they have some great guests and great episodes. But gosh, with 
before the election and after the election, Saturday Night Live has been killing it. They didn't have anything go out of line. Sure, President Donald Trump in his one of million tweets complains about SNL and the comedy strips they're doing about about him. Then look, it's nothing out of line. Uh, when you're a politician, a controversial one that is, you just got to deal with it. Nothing out of line here. But for Kathy Griffin to do what she did, uh, gosh, certainly out of line. There's some crazy rumor about how uh, Trump's uh, 11-year-old son was watching television and apparently this just popped up while he was watching TV. First of all, I don't buy that. What, what was he, what is an 11-year-old watching to where this pops up on the on the TV? I'd like to know that. But nonetheless, I don't buy the story for one moment. I think it's just to add sympathy to the story, especially when the Trump administration could use it. I'm not going to get into the details of that. But still, uh, comedians, there, there's a line. There really is a line. And, and I know there's talks about Kathy Griffin hiring a, an attorney because she was bullied and received death threats from the Trump family. I don't know about that. That's another investigation on its own. But I'll say this about Kathy Griffin. That was a desperate attempt in attention. Let me say this. Kathy Griffin is awful. Uh, I, I will admit, unfortunately, I do watch the uh, reality TV show Big Brother, uh, which is by far getting worse and worse. It's not as good as it once was uh, with the great gameplay years ago. Uh, but Kathy Griffin went on Big Brother not once, but twice to try to promote herself. When you use Big Brother, CBS's pastime, to try to promote yourself, that's when you know you should just hang up at what you're doing. When you try to put up a bloodied head of Donald Trump, that's a sign that you're desperate and you need everything for attention. Kathy Griffin's just horrible. I mean, this is the most people are talking about her, and I know that's when people get talked about the most when they do something like this, but uh, it's on her. It is. Time to throw some penalty flags. All right, I I hate to do it, but I'm going to throw a flag on Chiefs fans. Uh, I know Chiefs fans are all excited for Patrick Mahomes, the new quarterback for the team, but... He was at a Coffin Stadium the night when Macklin was released, which I mentioned on Twitter. And he was put up on Kiss Cam. And when he was up there, nobody gave an ovation. Nobody recognized him. Uh, and I get it. Football is one of those sports where you do, it's hard to recognize the players because a lot of them have the helmets. But you still know what Travis Kelsey looks like. You, you knew what Jamal Charles always looked like. Alex Smith. Jeremy Macklin, uh, Eric Berry, the list goes on and on. Patrick Mahomes is not hard to to notice. I mean, he's got a unique look. He's got the mohawk, the, the, the unique looking hair. Uh, he's just got a unique look. He's a big dude as well. And nobody gave an ovation for him. I remember Trent Green was on the Kiss Cam a couple of years ago, and fans went crazy for him. Everyone uh, gave him an ovation where uh, when they saw him up on the video board at the at Coffin Stadium. But Patrick Mahomes, no, uh, just pretty much got ignored the entire time when he was up there with his girlfriend. Speaking of being on the Kiss Cam for Patrick Mahomes, I've got to throw a flag at him. When he was up on the kiss camp, his girlfriend was excited. And look, look girls are usually excited about about this because they get to be up on the video board and kiss their the man of their life. But Mahomes, his girlfriend leaned in, and Mahomes started backing away like he didn't want to be in this. It's funny. I hear, I hear a lot of guys don't want to do be on like the kiss cam with their girlfriends. It's more of a girl thing than a guy thing. So uh, it was pretty funny to see him. Just kind of shy away from his girlfriend in, in public. And look, maybe it's because he's a public figure and, and he doesn't want to be seen in that way, which I understand. But look, you don't have to make out with her. I don't know. Uh, just a quick kiss. Uh, not going to hurt, is it? But 
Uh, I can understand when, when you're in that spotlight, you're in this new town. When when people are still trying to get to know you, I think you don't want to be seen in a certain way. You just want to be away from the spotlight as much as possible, especially as a rookie when you're still trying to learn and uh, and just let things go on from there. All right, before we sign off, I did forget to read the press release from the Chiefs about Jeremy Macklin, so I'll quickly do this. And again, it's nothing groundbreaking, but I guess fans still want to hear what was said or what was written in this release. Uh, Keep in mind, in these press releases, especially after a surprise cut, uh, you don't necessarily get the exact reason, but... Here's what was said. Uh, This is from John Dorsey. I'd like to thank Jeremy for his effort and dedication the past two seasons. I have great respect for all players which make decisions like these very difficult, but we felt it was the best interest of our club moving forward to part ways with him at this time. We wish Jeremy the best as he continues his career. Andy Reid also commented and said these decisions are never easy, especially with a player like Jeremy who I've grown close with on and off the football field over the years. Keep in mind, Andy Reid did draft Macklin when... Reed was the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, he continues, says, I have a lot of respect for the way he goes about his business and how he handles himself as a professional. I wish him uh, the best of luck moving forward. And Macklin did tweets shortly after the news broke and said, crazy business this is, dot, 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 appreciate y'all, hashtag Chiefs Kingdom. So uh, just unfortunate, it really is. Kind of makes you wonder, especially with how quick he was to tweet this, if... Uh, a contract renegotiation if, uh, to restructure a contract if that was even discussed uh, who knows but uh, nonetheless uh, that was not the case and uh, the Chiefs ended up cutting him so let me know your guys thoughts about what I have to say about Jeremy Macklin or mandatory versus voluntary OTAs or anything we discussed here on the Chiefs on podcast facebook.com slash Farzin give it a like also follow me on Twitter at Farzin21 and please subscribe to the podcast you can do so through iTunes Google Play Stitcher several other outlets out there uh, available on iOS and Android devices please share the podcast with a friend share it on social media always appreciated when you can post them on social media That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Came out earlier than expected, so hope you guys appreciate this and enjoy it here early, a weekend edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. We'll be back next weekend discussing Chiefs practices and any other surprising news that could come out of OTAs. We'll talk about that next week here on the Chiefs on Podcast. Be sure you check out my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone Podcast, and also my articles over at cagepages.com. I'm Farzi Vasugian. Talk to you next weekend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you.